This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. It's traditionally the grandest night in the World Wrestling Federation. WrestleMania, the great spectacle, the granddaddy of sports entertainment. A magical night where dreams become reality, where legends stand immortal, where incredible feats of athleticism are indelibly etched in the annals of time. But this year, a tempest engulfs utopia. This year, clouds of hatred and anger have eclipsed the heavens, shed darkness upon the gods. We've watched as our heroes step down from their pedestals, witness malicious attacks by a depraved nation, beheld the dark, disturbing flashes from a once benevolent force. Tonight, three determined men unite to wage war against an evil nation. Their battleground, the cold, unforgiving streets of Chicago. Tonight, two giants appear willing to shed their noble armor, to embrace their dark side, to possess the coveted gold. And tonight, two angry young men destined to destroy each other will endure intolerable pain in a brutal submission match. It's WrestleMania, the showcase of the immortals, the greatest night in sports entertainment. It's supposed to be a night of celebration, a time to rejoice. But tonight, none of these men are smiling. And now, WrestleMania 13. This is Review of Mania with Rob and Zach. I'm super upbeat because it's the Attitude Era. Wow. Almost. What? They don't, you don't consider 1997 the birth of the Attitude Era? I do, but I don't consider it until Survivor Series. Okay. Well, we're here at WrestleMania 13. Diesel is gone. Razor Ramon is gone. Macho Man is gone. Um, Mean Gene is gone. Poor Mean Gene. Or as the Iron Sheik likes to call him, Gene Mean. Gene Mean. Now do you listen here, Gene Mean? That's awesome. So yes, we are at WrestleMania 13 in Chicago, Illinois. The first WrestleMania that ever had... Vince Russo inspired booking in it. Oh no. It's yes. not good. He's here, folks. Oh man. Oh man. Well, we'll get through it. I have been looking forward to this for a long, long time. And Zach, did you know we have been recording for one year now? We are one years old. 
So in terms of podcasting, we're like a million years old. Yes, because we only did we didn't do one episode and been like, all right, we back soon, and then not record one for six months or forever. Yeah, we haven't pod faded yet. We haven't pod exactly. We're we're bright. We're shining bright. Damn it, right here on CosmicPotato dot com. So, um. How many times have you seen a podcast where it's like, oh, sorry, we've been gone for 50 years. Oh, man, we'll be back soon. And then there's like no episode. Um, well, because I'm a fan of podcasts and I, I'm specifically a fan of uh, serial fiction podcasts, there, has, there was one podcast that I listened to called Limetown who had its first season in 2015. Mm-hmm. It had its second season this year. Wow. Well, okay, but was there like a lot of... Like, I listened to a new thing, thanks to John Pollock of Post Wrestling, called Business Wars from Wondery. And mm-hmm. now they come out with episodes like twice a week, but they're like audio dramas with legit sound effects and things of that nature. And like real research and stuff put into the. Was it similar to that? Well, or, it was, but okay. they did take a three-year break. It takes a lot of time to make good sound effects. I I guess. <laughs> but here, here's the other thing. I also listen to Night Vale, and I also listen to King Falls AM, which are both similar in quality. Mm-hmm. And those come out twice a month. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe the money has to do with maybe, it. I don't maybe know. Maybe it's money. I don't know. And then the season was, like, super short. It was only five episodes. I was mad. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I, I'm a sucker because I listen to podcasts like Wrestling Observer Radio, you know, stuff that keeps current on wrestling. So, like, I don't – I think that – I think the Business Wars is probably the only one that I listen to that's, that's like, not wrestling, I guess. Oh, I, I mean, I listen to a lot of like stuff on movies and books and stuff, mm-hmm. and um, anime and, and things like that. And a lot of my favorite podcasts this year have just not produced a ton. Although one of my all-time favorites, and I know one of your old favorites, has been producing uh, quite a bit of podcasts this year, surprisingly enough. Which one's that? The AWO. Oh, I haven't listened to them in years. Well, yeah, I said I know that they were an old favorite of yours, but yeah, I was surprised. In October, they produced two episodes. Wow, I know they they need a medal. I know AWO was like the first podcast I ever listened to. That and Smart Smart Mark or Smart Mark Wrestling. Mm. I don't remember. Anyway, anyway. What does that have to do with WrestleMania 13? Not a goddamn thing. Except that we're here and we're a year old. And yeah. And we're and we're doing a, a jig, but you can't see us. Yes, I am jigging all around the room. So, from the Rosemont Horizon Center in Chicago, Illinois. Actually in Rosemont, Rosemont. Illinois. Is WrestleMania 13. Uh once again. We do not get a America the Beautiful. We get a nice, for the first time, 
like you know we mentioned last time at WrestleMania 12 this felt more like a modern pay-per-view this they finally got to a degree of they had a real intro package that actually went over the majority of the matches we were going to see including uh, those angry young men yes I uh, the thing I took away from it was they showed Bret Hart and Steve Austin and called them two angry young men and I went what the heck they're not young and then we went back and looked and went oh I found out The Undertaker was only 30 at this WrestleMania. Well, yeah. I mean, Undertaker has been around forever. And Steve Austin probably it was fairly young, too. Oh, yeah. I, he only I got started he, in the business in 89 or something like that. Yeah, so he could have been described as a young man. But Bret Hart's been wrestling since, like, 1977. <laughs> yes, so... um. I have been waiting a long time to review this WrestleMania. Let's get started. Vince McMahon, Jerry Lawler, and Jim Ross are your announcers for the event. Yay. We started off. Yes. Thankfully. Yay. I'm so glad this is the last WrestleMania with Vince McMahon. Thank God. Well, it's not the last WrestleMania with Vince McMahon, but he's the last one. No, because he wrestles later. No, 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 no. I meant from an announcing standpoint. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. It is the last one for that. Good riddance. I am so sick of... I want... I want Jesse Matura and Gorilla back. I fucking love them. You know, it's funny because growing up, it was always King and JR for me. But having to watch these old WrestleManias, I never understood like why everyone liked them so much. And then watching them, it was awesome. And I found a new appreciation for... Jesse Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, well, I, I think Gorilla was pretty sick at this point, and Jesse hated Vince. So. Uh, Jesse worked for WCW, if I'm not mistaken, or probably quit by then. And actually, yeah, he, 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 was he was gone from there. Yeah, he was getting ready to win the. Uh, you know, what's funny is Jesse Ventura was the mayor of the city I was li- not living in at the time, but eventually I wound up living in. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Governor. Yep. And then only a year later, he would be governor of Minnesota. Minnesota. Yep. We start off with an eight-team elimination match. The Godwins. Oh, go ahead. Four-team. Oh, sorry. I wrote eight. I meant an eight-man. Yeah, my bad. Eight-man, four-team. Yes. My bad. The Godwins versus the Headbangers. Now, was it the Body Donnas? These were not the Body Donnas. Okay, who was this? It It was... Lafon and Furnace. I can't for the life of me remember what they were. That, what they were. At no point did they say their team name, and they didn't even show a freaking logo for them. No, they were just Lafon and Furnace. Oh, okay. Uh, because the body donna, body donnas were Tom Pritchard and um, Chris Candido. Ah, okay. So that's my bad. And then the new Blackjacks. And you just know it's great when the new is anything tied to a tag team that they had to go all the way back to 1972 to show Blackjack Mulligan and, uh, shit, the other guy. Blackjack Lanza. Lanza, now, thank you. To be fair, to, to be fair to the new Blackjacks for just a second, they could conceivably be, have that name and it'd be okay because Barry Windham is Blackjack Mulligan's son, and Black and Bradshaw is Blackjack Lanza's nephew. 
Oh, I didn't know that. So they could conceivably be okay with having the Blackjack name. Blackjack Bradshaw. <laughs> so However, awful. Blackjack Bradshaw is god-awful and his mustache is terrible. Yes, you described it as a porn stash to me. Yes. All right, let's get into this. Uh, all the tag teams start by hitting each other and just going crazy. It finally settles down, and it's Black Jack Bradshaw versus Henry O. Godwin, Hog. Uh, Thrasher is in tag. So the other big thing about this is you can tag in anybody, but if your team, if any of your people are, if your team is pinned, you are both out of the match. Final team standing wins. <clears throat> Thrasher is tagged in, and Bradshaw hits him with a big boot, a big st- uh, pump handle slam by Bradshaw, who then tags in Phineas. Thrasher is tagged in now. Oh, it must have been Mosh, sorry. Mosh is now tagged in, uh, and the headbangers are both then tagged. So basically, they were, I don't know. Basically, the thra- both Mosh and Thrasher were both tagged in at the same time. And instead of fighting each other, they did mosh pit moves. And Vince goes, I don't know what that was. And Jerry Lawler goes, that's rock and roll music. Your favorite rock and roll group is Mount Rushmore, Vince. <sighs> hey, I liked it. I thought it was funny. Yeah. Um, well, it, 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 it's interesting because later on they mentioned the bands that were on the um, shirts of the headbangers. And they're... Vince was like, white zombie? What is that? <laughs> so fucking old. I don't does know it, this. Did, did Tony Bennett sing in that band? I think Elvis was part of White Zombie for a little while. Oh, yes. You know, White Zombie with Rob Zombie and Elvis. Yes. The classic tag team of music. Um, LaFont is tagged in. I liked LaFont and Furnace. These guys were awesome. Yeah, too bad they didn't stay around for very long. Yeah, what happened to them? They got eliminated. Oh, I think my WWF. Sorry. So, oh, I well, I I don't think they were around very long in the WWF. Probably not. Uh, so there's a bridging German suplex for a quick two count by Lafon, a huge hurricanrana by Lafon on Wyndham, but uh, but Wyndham quickly takes over and tags in Bradshaw, who tries for a clothesline, but fails. Uh, JR mentions that tomorrow night on Raw, the winning team will face, will get this match, uh, for the tag titles. So, they were setting up the next evening's match. Out of nowhere, Brad, don't go ahead, sorry. Oh, well, I was just going to say, because it makes a ton of sense to set up your free television with something that you have to pay for. Yes, exactly. Bradshaw pushes down the ref on the outside as the teams are getting into it on the floor. The new Blackjacks are eliminated, and they also say that LaFon and Furnace are also eliminated. And I was kind of confused at first, but then they just said, oh, they were counted out. So Double count out. Literally, in one quick go, we went from four teams down to two. It sucked. It's like, why even bother? So yeah, the Headbangers and the Hog Farmers are left. They start spitting on each other. And they start trading punches. Vince insinuates Phineas fucks farm animals. And King is intrigued by this and wants to talk more about it. But JR says, 
No, they're talking about BLTs and sausage. The <sighs> fuck? What the fuck I wrote? Uh, a clothesline over the top rope from Phineas to Mosh, and both men fall outside to the floor. A flying clothesline, and then a rocket launcher to the floor onto Phineas. Thrasher then climbs the top rope and misses a moonsault, and both men slowly crawl to the corners, and each get a tag to each man. Uh, Phineas takes care of both headbangers, sets up for the slop drop, but is saved. Uh, now both teams are in the ring, and the stage dive by Mosh, and he picks up the win. So, now on Raw, the Headbangers get a tag title match. Yeah. Uh, I, this match was there. It wasn't great. It was okay. It was a match. I thought the double count spot was really stupid. But, yeah. Whoop-dee, the Headbangers. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe Barry Windham was like, I'm a former world champion. I'm not getting pinned tonight. Yeah. <laughs> They air an Into Your House promo, which I don't understand because it was like, oh, we have respect for your fellow man. And Austin's like, and that's the bottom line. Like, what? It was a weird promo. It didn't really excite me to like want to go watch the In Your House event on the network. So that airs. And we come back to the Honky Tonk Man in the ring. And then Captain Lou Albano is dancing in the front row. And King says that, Captain Lou Albano has clearly gotten into the alcohol. He has been partying since Thursday. Well, yes, because Lou Albano had just been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Oh, well, there you go. Um, yeah. At first, when Hockey Talk came out, I was like, holy shit, we have to watch this guy wrestle? Nope. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Um, so yeah, Hockey Talk Man sits down to do commentary. Uh, JR says that something about the Sultan. Oh, yeah, oh, never mind. Uh, my thing got all fucked up when I was typing. Basically, JR goes, Hey, you guys look kind of, quite a lot alike. You could be cousins. They are cousins. That's the joke, yes. <laughs> so, the Sultan with the Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund. How Bob Backlund still has a job is beyond me. God bless the guy. He is re- he has come back umpteen times, including as little as what two years ago with with um oh what's his face Bret Hart. No 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 no. He was in the uh t- not Titus O'Neil. Who was Titus O'Neil's tag team partner? The part of the part time players. Oh, oh, Darren Young. Yes. He had a thing in 2016 called Make Darren Young Great Again. And he was getting paid to show up on Raw. Yeah. Bob Backlund is a man of a thousand paychecks. The real match, though, is the Sultan with Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund versus Rocky Maivia, the young blue chip Rocky Maivia. And holy shit, now I realize... Why everybody hated Rocky Maivia because Vince McMahon couldn't get off his cock. Holy shit. He was basically Roman Reigns. He basically was Roman Reigns. Oh my god. Vince wouldn't shut the fuck up. So <clears throat> Honky Tonk man says he's trying to uh, he's trying to press him with growing sideburns. 
<laughs> uh, both men push each other, and then Rocky hits punches and is whipped uh, into the ropes and then hit with a shoulder block. But uh, the Rock nips up and hits punches and the clothesline and two drop kicks to knock Salton out of the ring. Uh, here, King or not King? Sorry, Jr. is very much you know running down the stairs, third generation superstar, Rocky Maivia's, you know, high chief, Mayor Peter Maivia, blah, 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 you know, all the stuff. Like, Rock was put over huge here. Yes. Um, Rocky eats a few punches, but the third one, the Sultan ducks, and Rocky punches the ring post when, the, when on the outside. Hindy Cog Man is cheering on Sultan. Back in the ring, Sultan works over Rocky, and then uh, hits a big clothesline and a suplex. And then a, sorry, a trapezius hold in the middle of the ring. Sultan then comes off the top rope with a flying headbutt. Rocky tries to, for a sunset flip, but Sultan grabs him by the neck and chokes him. Uh, he then hits a belly-to-belly suplex for a two. Honky, uh, Honky says that Rocky is blown up and the match should have been over five minutes ago. <laughs> Sultan slaps on a sleeper hold in the middle of the ring and the Sheik yells, <laughs> you know, his crazy railing rambling. Eventually, Rocky fades, and the crowd is booing at this point. The ref checks the arm, and it stays up on the third attempt. The crowd continues to boo. Rocky gets out of the move, and both men hit a running double clothesline. Both men then are down, and eventually Rock rolls over and gets a two-count on the Sultan. <clears throat> Rocky starts... Coming back with punches and not, and knocks on the Sultan, and then drop kicks, and then punches land, and then a belly to belly suplex for a near three on the Sultan. Vincent Jr. put over Rocky Maivia. Uh, out of nowhere, Rocky hits the spinning DDT, and he climbs to the top rope and hits a huge flying clothesline. But the Iron Sheik is distracting the ref, and now Maivia is distracted. But the Sultan gets punched. And comes back with a huge uh, thrust kick to the chin. And Rocky Maivia kicks out at 2.9 seconds. Sultan falls up with a pile driver. And again, Rocky kicks out. Rocky gets a victory roll for the win. And Honky says that uh, he was holding the tights. So, Honky Tonk Man is not a fan of Rocky Maivia. Honky Tonk Man is only a fan of Honky Tonk Man. That is very true. So... Yeah, again, like, they are still uh, putting over Rock Huge. There was a light Rocky Sucks chant, but... And I could definitely see glimpses of the future Rock, of what he would come in a year or two, or, you know, next year and a half. Like, the punches, the nip-up, not so much the attitude, of course... You know, he was still smiling, Rocky John, you know, Rocky Maivia. But, you know, those those Rocky sucks chants were just starting. So, um, it's kind of cool to see him this early on in his career. It's really fun. I was interested in the Sultan. I like the Sultan. Do you know who the Sultan is? No idea, but he looks like he's dressed like Bane. That's Rikishi. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. No fucking way. Yeah, it's Rikishi. You've got to be fucking kidding me. No. Dude, he was not ripped, but he was not fat. He was 
lean. He was trim. Yeah. He could move. Yeah. What the fuck happened? Uh, he liked to eat. Oh my god. I had no idea. Wow. In three short years. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask whatever happened to this all because I really liked him. Yeah, he became Lakishi. Man, there must have been like four of them in there. <laughs> four sultans equal one Rikishi. Oh, I would be. Oh, I don't know if I'd be that generous. Maybe two sultans equals one Rikishi. Mm, two and a half. Okay. Oh man, that, that is shocker of the night. I had no freaking clue. Wow. No clue, and he was bald. Yeah. Well, actually, he had hair, but it was tied up in those ponytails and it, and fed through his mask thing. Ah, uh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I thought he looked like Bane. He did look like Bane. I am Rikishi. I will crush I like you, to... Rocky Maivia. I like to dance. <laughs> <laughs> My passion is dancing and vehicular homicide. All right. I did it. I did it for you. I did it for the Rock in. Five years. In five years, you will remember this match. All right. After the match, Jim Ross is right there. Uh, and he and he starts to talk to Machina Ivia, but then Sultan attacks Rocky from behind and knocks down JR on top of it. Backland and Sheik attack Rocky, and the Sultan uh, hits a flying splash off the top rope. The Sheik then puts on the camel clutch while Sultan slaps Rocky across the face. Rocky Johnson then runs down. I had never seen the Rock jo- Rock's dad before, other than old pictures. So hey, good. he looked good. Yeah, he did. I was like, dang, he looks still pretty good for being retired. So Rocky Johnson, his father, runs down to the ring and he beats up the sul- uh, the Sultan and he saves Rocky, but then the Iron Sheik. Attacks Rocky Johnson, hitting him with the flagpole. And they rip off his shirt. And everyone beats down on him. But Rock gets up and knocks the Sultan out of the ring. And everybody flees. Uh, The Iron Sheik is still in there. So he gets a scoop slam for good measure from Rocky Johnson. And then uh, both men give Sheik right hands. And then they hug. And then they pose. Yes. They have flex. Yep. So there you go. I can definitely see why people hated Rock. His daddy had to save him. That, he was definitely being shoved down our throats. Holy crap. All right. What would you think of that match? I thought it was fine for what it was. Um, The Sultan was definitely the highlight of of the match. Rock, not so much. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good match overall. Like I said, I definitely see glimpses of Rocky. You can definitely see how good he is. I mean, definitely. I mean, um, but they played up, you know, oh, you're still a rookie, blah, 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 for WrestleMania. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, they didn't do that with other people who debuted this time. No, so they did not. Like, did they, they, um, did they ever go anywhere with Hockey Talk Man? 
Like, was there a feud at all between The Rock and... Not that I remember. Like, Honky Tonk Man, like, kind of was in and out around this time, because this was about the time that he introduced Billy Gunn as Rockabilly. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, and And so, like... He was kind of in and out, so I don't. I, but I don't believe there was a, a feud or anything. Okay, because they were. To me, it's not they were really pushing for a feud. Yeah, no, I, they definitely did. But um, he started getting those die Rocky die chants, and so he like ended up in like the nation. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the fans are brutal. Oh yeah, I know. Oh man! <laughs> All right, Todd Pattengale is with Ken Shamrock. Now, was he originally supposed to only be a a uh, special guest referee, or was he always going to be a wrestler? I think he was only he was only signed to be a special guest referee at this point. I know that he debuted later on in the year as a full time wrestler, but. I think at this standpoint, he was only going to be a uh, special guest referee. Gotcha. I mean, I mean, it's not like Ken Jamrock was in the UFC at this point, but he was also prior to that. He had been a pro wrestler in Japan. So um, when he got to the WWF, it didn't, it's not like Kurt Angle who had to learn everything. He already knew it. Gotcha. So, yep, he's going to be the, Special guest referee for the Austin versus Bret Hart submission match. The show cut from Raw, where he put Billy Gunn into a drop toe hold, and that Ken ex- Ken Chenhug explains, "I'm not there to hurt him. I'm just letting him know I'm there." He was hired to be a referee, and uh, he is not going to be intimidated. Okay. We now go to the Doc Hendricks, who's with Hunter Helmsley in China. They don't know what the relationship is with China, and he tells Doc that he doesn't need to know what the relationship is. Okay. He'll be facing Goldust and and Merlina, I guess, who's going to be there too. So apparently the story is uh, Triple H wants to fuck Merlina. And Merlina was like, no. And now we're having a match. Because Goldust is jealous that another guy wants to fuck his wife. Has. No, I don't think that's. I don't think he's jealous. I think it's more like Triple H is upset that Marlena said no, and Goldust is defending her honor. Ah, okay, fair enough. Either way, I yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> that's what I got out of it. Uh, Triple H is flirting with Marlena uh, and letting Marlena know that he was available, according to Jr. Or King, sorry, according to King. Goldust is jealous. So, there you go. JR says that China is ripped and goes about 200 pounds. Goldust starts by squatting and then hits a standing clothesline and a big European uppercut to Triple H. A 10 count spot and then an inverted atomic drop. And Helpsy is caught on the ropes and Goldust uh, is on the outside. And he starts uh, just laying in right hands to the head of Triple H. And then the commentators have to note how big Triple H's nose is. (laughs) Uh, So far, Goldust has been the aggressor in this match. Goldust tries a back body drop, but Helmsley comes back with 
a knee drop, but that doesn't last long. Goldust comes back with a power slam. Goldust climbs the ropes, but Helmsley catches him and tries for a superplex, but Goldust reverses that. Goldustin is unlifted and is shoved face first, hitting the ring apron as he hits the floor. Kind of a cool spot. Hunter then uh, unzips the the shirt of uh, Gold Dust and gives him some bare hand knife edge chops. And then he stomps on down Gold Dust for a while. Uh, and then he hits a textbook swinging neck breaker for a two. The pin was sloppy as he was posing and kind of pointing at Marlena. Um, and then an abdominal stretch as Marlena, like, chews on a cigar. Kind of weird. Triple H comes back with a high knee and a two count. And the concern, uh, as concern, according to Vince, as she sits there and smokes her cigar. Again, she didn't really play someone who was too concerned. She was busy smoking. Yeah, that's kind of Marlena's uh, whole thing is that she doesn't show any expression. And gotcha. then later on, she can't because of all the work that she had done, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, well, it's as uh, Terry Reynolds was, yeah. is, is a very attractive woman. And then if you look at her three years later, she's gotten a lot of plastic surgery. Uh, yes. She, I remember wearing the Terry invitation tournament and those shirts that she wore that literally barely covered her massive airbags. Right. And to be honest, she didn't need it. She was good looking. Yes. Yes. Hunter hits a knee drop across the face and again gets a two. Gold Dust uh, reverses some punches with uh, punches of his own, but it doesn't doesn't really matter. Triple H hits a DDT to bring the match back to into his favor. A backslide by Gold Dust for a two, and then a small package for a two. Triple H comes off the rope and hits Gold Dust in the back as both men are down, and Vince and King J and Jr. Uh, try to figure out. Uh, exactly what happened. It was some weird move, like, off the second rope that Triple H hits to the back of... I don't even know what, I don't know what it was, but nobody could seem to figure out what the heck it was. Um, Triple H comes running into the corner uh, at Goldust, but Goldust moves, and Triple H runs headfirst into the middle turnbuckle. Goldust whips Hunter into the corner, and Triple H does a flare flip into the corner, and then follows up with a bulldog... By Gold Dust for a near fall, but he only gets a two. China is now stalking Marlena on the outside, and Gold Dust sets up for the curtain call, but uh, it takes forever to try to hit it, and uh, Gold Dust is then booted in the gut and a pedigree attempt, but it's reversed into a slingshot, and then he tries for another final cut, but he instead stops and goes and picks up Marlena, putting her onto the apron. This allows Triple H to run into uh, run in, into Triple H or into Goldust, dropping Marlena into the arms of China, who then ragdolls her around. This allows Triple H to get the pedigree and pick up the win. So your winner, Triple H. After the match, both Marlena and Goldust are devastated by both Triple H and China, essentially, and Goldust is distraught and picks up Marlena and carries it to the back. 
What do you think of this match? I thought it was very boring. Yeah, I I didn't like the fact that they kind of like a they were just horrible. King was horrible talking about China, but that's the time. I felt like they spent too much time on her. I thought the match itself was really good, but none of it really mattered until the end, and that kind of unfortunately was a bummer. I don't know. I just felt like Triple H got a lot better as time went on, and there were some spots that just didn't work. And and the crowd didn't really care about this match, really. No, they did. You're right. They really did not care about it. It was just kind of there. I thought it was good technically, but the story overall was kind of meh. Hmm. <clears throat> uh, Shawn Michaels is... Hunting and pecking on a keyboard on a laptop in the AOL chat rooms. Keyword, WWF. It's pretty funny. Can't and use a computer. Part of me was wondering if he was legit, like, couldn't type, or... He seemed to be hamming it up a little bit. I bet that wasn't even an actual computer. I bet it was, like, just a prop. <laughs> I'm on the internet. Yay! WWF Tag Team Championship time. Vader and Mankind with Paul Bear. I found it funny that this was a tag team, seeing as they beat the shit out of each other in WCW. When yes, Vader's the reason why McFoley only has one ear. Yep, that too. I didn't even know they were a tag team at any point. Uh, why was Paul Bear with them? Oh, uh, the reason for that is that Paul Bearer left the Undertaker service when Mankind entered and joined forces with him. Oh. It was a swerve. Because he still had the urn. So I was like, okay. Cool. Versus the champions, the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Apparently, Owen Hart and British Bulldog have been having problems as of late. And uh, Jim Ross actually... uh, He actually approaches them during their entrance to ask them, Hey, who's the leader? And, you know, you guys have had a lot of problems. And Owen Hart goes, We don't care. We don't have problems. I won two slammies. And and we asked, who's the leader? He said, get out of here. It doesn't matter who the leader is. And King is beside himself. Yes, but the, well, he said, it doesn't matter who the leader is. I am. Yes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, yes. Um, awesome stuff. Why... Sorry, one second. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry, word being all that stupid. I like stopped uh, it stopped uh <laughs> it stopped here we go. It stopped moving my my cursor for some reason. Alright. So yeah, there that that happened. Um it was kinda weird. So, they start by Vader flexing, and then he gets the advantage by pushing Owen down, because Vader and Owen start. Um, basically, you know, it's a big guy versus the little guy spots. Owen uses his speed to try to get a clothesline, but Vader doesn't budge. He then gets an Inseguri that does take Vader down, but Vader comes back with a splash and a powerbomb. Vader doesn't go for the pin, though. Um, instead, 
He just looks like a bulldog. It's kind of weird. He drags Owen to the corner and climbs to the second rope to try for a Vader bomb. But he taunts a lot and Bulldog stops him and takes him off the rope. Now all four men are in the ring. Both Mankind and Vader uh, attack British Bulldog. Uh, but the Bulldog comes back with a double clothesline. And then Owen and the Bulldog come in with stereo drop kicks. Uh, a huge delayed suplex on Mankind. Vader then comes in and tries a suplex, but Bulldog suplexes Vader. Very impressive. Bulldog then slows things down with a sleeper hold on Mankind. Vader pulls down the top rope after a whip, and Bulldog falls to the floor. Uh, Mankind grabs the urn and tries to hit the Bulldog with it, but a drop toe hold stops that. Vader grabs the urn and hits Bulldog in the back with the, with the rest current back turned as he's dealing with Owen Hart in the ring. Um, JR says that the Bulldog, this is the Bulldog's ninth WrestleMania appearance. When was his first? Uh, his first WrestleMania was in WrestleMania 2. Yes, you were correct. So, Vince called, or uh, JR called him a pup back then. Uh, Vader with a suplex. Uh, and then he clamps the second rope for a splash, but Bulldog, uh, kicks. Oh, uh, sorry, my notes are fucked. Basically, he tries for a pin, gets out, kicks the other two. A running splash to the corner on Bulldog. Vader then climbs the second rope and hits a splash. Why did I say there twice? Sorry. Mankind is tagged in and hits a leg drop off the ring apron to the back of Bulldog. Quick tags from Vader and Mankind as they're cutting off the ring. Vader climbs the second rope and Bulldog slams Vader off the t- uh, second rope and he gets a tag to Owen. Owen hits a missile drop kick and tries a flying cross body block but only gets a two. He runs off the ropes and Vader splashes him, sending him into the mat. Vader holds Owen to the floor. This is kind of a cool spot. So, down on the floor, Vader holds Owen in a backbreaker position. And then Mankind does an, a flying elbow drop off the ring apron to him. It's kind of a cool little spot. I really like that. Uh, Stu and Helen are then shown in the front row. And King is beyond thrilled that they saying that they always hated Owen. <laughs> Freaking love King. He's always got a digs in on Owen and, or on Stu and Helen Hart. He then said that, hey, get the usher. Stu ordered a Jeritol in the rocks. Uh, and then, then he goes, I don't think it's Stu even knows where he is. Um, Owen hits a swinging DDT on, uh, on Mankind and then follows up with a splash. But Mankind get, puts his knees up. Owen is whipped head, uh, chest first into the turnbuckle and Mankind follows up with a splash. But Owen comes right back with an enziguri for a two. He likes enzigurries during this match. They now just go over the great pay-per-views held at the Rosemount Horizon and mentions the first one was in 1985. Vader is in tagged in and punches uh, Owen repeatedly. Owen comes back with a spin kick, but Vader quickly gets back up and hits an elbow drop for a two-count. Um, Mankind. Uh, okay, so then we wrestle around for a bit more. A power slam um, on Mankind. Uh, but then they kind of fall to the outside, and uh, he gets the mandible claw 
on to uh, he gets the mandible claw on to Bulldog. They fall outside. He continues to put the mandible claw on the Bulldog. And eventually they get counted out. So there's a double count out finish. Hooray. So there's no winners. Your still champions are Owen and, and Vader. I'm sorry, Owen and uh, Bulldog. Vader tries to pull Mankind off of Bulldog and has to resort to pulling his hair. And when did when did Vader lose his mask? Um, I think he just stopped wearing it. Like, he was very unhappy during his time in the WWF, and at one point he just stopped. Like, I think he quits this year, like, calling himself a big fat piece of shit. No, that was King of the Ring 98, I think. Oh, okay. <sighs> Excuse me. Yeah, I remember Still. that. I remember watching that not too long ago. He goes, I'm, I'm just so big. I'm so fat. I'm a big, fat piece of shit. And Jared was like, whoa, I'm sorry for, for the language there, folks. Yeah. I like dropping so. shit. So, yeah, okay. I don't, I'm not sure. Gotcha. Well, that's a bummer. I really like this match. I really like the tag team match of, or the tag team of uh, Vader and Mankind. Great tag team. Yeah, the the only problem with this match, and the reason why it's kind of weird, is that Owen and Bulldog were heels, and so weren't Vader and Mankind. Mm-hmm. So it was a double heel match. Gotcha. Yeah, that's true. So, that's true. Um, I still really enjoyed the match, though. Although I thought Owen did too many damn insecurities. Yeah, but when you're facing off against people who are so much bigger than you, you have to kind of to do something. Hit moves. Yeah, no, the hit moves you could hit. He was still good though. Yeah, Owen was awesome. All right, a video plays for the upcoming submission match between Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Dog helped up. He's going to need a lot of help to try to recover after that. As we take you now to a look at Stone Cold Steve Austin. Brett the Hitman Hart, the submission match and some of the events that led up to this extraordinary event at WrestleMania. Imagine, for over a decade, you fought to reach the pinnacle of your profession. Through sweat and dedication, you've earned the respect of fans, friends, and even your adversaries. Then, you walk away. When you return six months later, nothing is the same. I've been screwed by Shawn Michaels, the boy toy. I've been screwed by Stone Cold Steve Austin. I've been screwed by the World Wrestling Federation. There are no friends. There's kind of a new motto in the World Wrestling Federation. You scratch my back and I'll stab yours. There is no respect. Everybody in that dressing room knows that I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Even your fans have changed. At the heart of this change is a man who spits in the face of your every accomplishment. Ever since you came back, you ain't done nothing but cry. He has gained fame by attacking you physically and verbally. Steve Austin has absolutely become obsessed with Bret Hart. Steve Austin is a rabbit. He's a rabbit animal. This man mocks your legacy. He uses it as a stepping stone. Like a false prophet, he spews forth his rhetoric. Bret Hart on his best day can't lace my boots, and I'm going to prove that to the world. And I will. I will beat the hell out of Bret. And that's the bottom line. His followers carry placards singing his praise. Injustice after injustice has finally caused you to snap. Whoa! Frustrated isn't the word for it. This is... Now, 
The finger is pointed at you. You're the one who's changed. He snapped, McMahon. He's lost it. Get him out of here. Drag him out. Oh, just just him. All my favorite back passion. That dirty, rotten son of a... They say your ego is your enemy. What happened to you? There's only one solution. To awaken from this nightmare, you must defeat him. To regain your life and resume your legacy, you must make him beg for mercy as you squeeze the will from his bones. But what if Stone Cold Steve Austin wins? What becomes of Bret the Hitman heart then? Ladies and gentlemen, at this time allow me to introduce... Uh, basically say Bret Hart left six months ago, and then when he came back, he was screwed by... By Shawn Michaels, he was screwed by Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he was screwed by the WWF. And he was swearing and cutting shoot-style promos on Vince McMahon. So I find it funny because for the longest time, they were like... I remember the the thing being, before the Montreal Screwjob, nobody knew, except really hardcore fans and insiders, knew that Vince McMahon was the owner of the World Wrestling Federation. They just knew him as an announcer. But then they're here, like, six months before, if that, where Bret Hart's, like, screaming at Vince McMahon, and, you know you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it was the worst-kept secret in wrestling. I just remember watching a documentary, and them saying, like, oh, before the screw job, everyone just thought that they, he was just the announcer. Well, who produced the documentary? I... <sighs> Because if it was the WWE, that would explain it. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was. You know, they like to rewrite their own history. Oh, yeah. But, um, what? This must have been Russo. Like, basically, they they made it where Bret Hart was this... They basically, the video made it seem like, oh, uh, Bret Hart left, and then six months later he came back, and everything's different. There's this new guy named Stone Cold who swears and does what he wants, and yeah, like I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't get this. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like I think around this time, Brett had to go and get his knees replaced. Mm. Um, and so that's probably why he took some time off. I mean, I could probably see it too. This is the time when they're starting to get. Into the dicey areas. And I know that he was not happy about them going more TV PG-14 with the swearing of Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels doing very sexual suggestive poses and humping the air and what he did. Yeah, no, he wasn't. And the other thing that he wasn't, like, super happy about in the... On saying he was being screwed by Shawn Michaels is that the agreed upon main event of WrestleMania 13 was going to be Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart again in a rematch of the Iron Man match. Oh. But that didn't end up happening because Shawn lost his smile. Mm-hmm. And he... And, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> so, and yeah. so, yeah, so the whole entire uh, championship picture completely changed because as you can see, well... Yeah. Brett's not even in the main event. Yeah. So they introduced Ken Shamrock from the Ultimate Fighting World. Just think. At one time in 2000, 
or 2001 or 2002, somewhere in that time frame, Shane McMahon wanted Vince to buy the UFC. No, it's barbaric. Why would he do that? No, they were going to die. Seeing as he already killed a performer at that time. Just imagine if that would have went through. Yeah, it would be very different. No Conor McGregor. Um, so yep, Ken Shamrock's introduced. He goes on a referee shirt with no sleeves. He's pretty ripped. He is very ripped. Bret Hart is shown coming from... Oh, sorry. Uh, Austin is shown coming from the back. And a big Austin 316 plate of glass breaks as he before he walks through. Um, Kind of cool. That's probably about the only extent of a grand entrance outside of The Undertaker for the show. Sid had one. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like Sid always had his Sid fireworks. Uh, Bret Hart comes out to fireworks and a smattering of booze. The bell rings, and both men start brawling around the ringside area. Both men with left and right. Early on, Austin is ran face first into the into the ring post. He tries a suplex, but Austin comes back by crouching Hart on the guardrail, and then a clothesline knocking him into the crowd. Stone Cold and Brett uh, go through the crowd, and Austin is beating the hell out of Brett along the way um, by throwing and he's throwing like soda and popcorn and crap all over him. The crowd is going nuts trying to get in front of the cameras. Eventually, Bret Hart and Austin come back to the ringside area with punches and stuff on his own. Um, Steve Austin throws Hart face first into the steel steps, and Austin gives a double bird and a flying clothesline off the apron to the floor. Austin tries to pick up the stairs, but Hart trips him and he gets some punches in. Both men continue to brawl around the outside, and finally, uh, they start. They go into the ring. Uh, Bret Hart, out of nowhere, hits a swinging neck breaker. Hart takes over a flying elbow drop uh, from the second rope to the back of Austin. Hart starts working over the leg of Austin, and after a few minutes of Bret, of Bret working over the leg, Austin can't walk, and Austin is able to come back with a stunner, and both men are down. Both men are back up to their feet by this time, and there's and Hart kicks the leg out of from out of Austin's leg i don't know whatever yeah, he kicked his leg out of his leg, leg. exactly That's an old, you know, poor owen uh he keeps working over his left leg Hart wraps the leg around the ring post and does a figure four uh around the ring post the crowd goes nuts for this um Hart grabs a ring bell and a steel chair and he sets the chair around the ankle of austin but then he takes too long on the top rope and austin has a uh hitting him in the head with the chair, and then he hits him in the back with the chair. Austin then is now back in control. He's hit his, uh, a superplex and a flying elbow drop to the chest of heart, or to the heart of the, to the chest. Austin then kicks Bret Hart, uh, and they show Bret Hart's daughter covering her eyes. I think his name was Alexandra, I think her name was. Uh, Austin has a submission hold, cranking on the neck and the arm of Bret. Uh, Austin then slaps on a Boston Crab. Shamrock forces Austin to release the hold when Hart reaches the ropes. Austin then drags Brett uh, and throws Hart out of the ring. And they are back on the outside now. Austin is whipped into the timekeeper's area and nearly t- 
takes out the cameraman as well. Austin's now busted open, and JR says he hit, his head hit the guardrail. Meanwhile, Austin is shown blaming himself on camera. Yeah, oddly enough, um, Blood was still outlawed at the time. Really? Of this, yeah, of this match. And so when um, um, <clears throat> Brett was going to... Uh, Brett came up with a spot, according to Brett Hart's biography. And um, he told Austin that he had to cut himself deep or else Vince is going to get pissed at him. And so, and he also said, you can't let anybody see. Well, he didn't do that. Well, yeah, but Vince didn't see it. Everyone else did, though. Well, yeah. It was very noticeable. He was literally with his hand on his head, flicking his wrist with his... His uh, taped wrist like three times. Like, yeah, but, it was super noticeable. Yeah, but he cut the hell out of himself. He did. Holy shit, he did. My wife was disgusted watching this, but I was like, you gotta watch. This is a very famous scene in pro wrestling history. Um, Austin's head is rammed in the post. Austin's busted open badly. Bret Hart works over uh, the cut. Of Austin with mounted punches and kicks to the head. Hart climbs the rope and hits a flying elbow and then picks up a steel chair and sets to work over the left leg again with the knee brace on it. Um, Hart then begins to, to the sharpshooter, but Austin blocks it with a scratch to the face. Uh, he, uh, Hart continues with punches to the face and Austin kicks Hart below the belt. Austin whips Hart into the turnbuckle chest first and then stops a mud hole in him. Uh, Austin then puts Hart on the top rope and hits a superplex. Austin goes outside and grabs an electrical station cord and he wraps it around the neck of Austin. Or sorry, of Bret Hart. But then grabs the ring... Uh, grabs... Oh, sorry. He wraps the, the cord around Hart's neck but to get out of the hole, Bret Hart grabs the ringside belt and hits Austin in the head with it. And Austin then uh, is put into the sharpshooter and Austin screams as blood starts streaming down his face and the pool, uh, pool slowly starts to form on the mat. The crowd begins chanting Austin very, very loudly. Austin tries one more time to get out, actually turning Hart, but then... Hart is easily able to come back and lock in the sharpshooter uh, fully. Austin slowly starts to fade, and then finally he just kind of fades out completely. He's on the mat, and the bell is rung. Ken Shamrock calls the match, and JR reiterates that Austin never gave out, gave up, that he blacked out, that his body gave up on him. Your winner, Brett the Hitman Hart. Um... So before we get into more of this, because some stuff I want to bring up, what do you think of this match? This is like probably the best WrestleMania match we've seen. I would agree. This is one of my favorite matches of all time. I feel like, especially now that I'm older and know more about Bret Hart, this wasn't Bret Hart's. Bret Hart changed his style of fighting and wrestling. We've seen so many Bret Hart matches now throughout the WrestleManias. And, you know, obviously throughout time. 
I felt like watching this, Bret Hart changed his entire moveset to a degree. He was more violent. He had no qualms with shoving Stone Cold into the crowd or throwing him into posts or in the steel chairs. You know, like he didn't do that stuff. He didn't wrap the the leg around the pole of the post and put him in a figure. You know what I mean? He didn't do that kind of stuff. And but here, he was pissed off and angry and wanted to show everybody that he could still go. The video package made it seem like, oh, he's the old generation. This is the new generation, the new wrestler, Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, he's the next generation. This old man, Bret Hart can't go anymore. You know, it was like old Yeller. Austin was there to put him down. And meanwhile, Austin, you know, uh, did really, really well. I, I love the fact that, you know, he pretty much, you know, he had a brawling style. He did a great job. The, like what you said about the blood, I mean, that's an iconic Iconic visual that the WWE has used for years and years and years. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And the match itself is just was really, really entertaining to. Oh yeah, it was nonstop. I mean, there was no, there was no rest holds. There was no. Everything had its place. Yeah, and yeah, so it's just, it's a masterpiece. The one thing I will say is that the WWE's narrative is that on the night that this match happened, Bret Hart came in as a good guy and Stone Cold came in as a bad Bad guy. guy. Yeah, and they did a double. By the time the match ended, they had switched, switched. Yeah, on this rare double turn that rarely ever happens in matches happened. Bullshit. No. They loved Austin from the beginning. Oh, God. Vince McMahon. It was like The Rock, but it was Stone Cold. Vince. Oh, Vince. Stone Cold. This arrogant bash guy. He's. Oh, God. He's so great. And then, you know, then Bret Hart. Oh, yeah, Bret Hart. He's good, too. Yeah, Bret Hart. But Austin. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I would say, though, that this definitely elevated Stone Cold and bravo to Bret Hart, you know, uh, for giving Austin so much shine. Because I I definitely think, I mean, Austin, I I think Austin would have eventually still, still would have got where he got. I just think it might have taken a little more time. I think this match really put a rocket on Austin's back. I mean, obviously, by the following year, he's in the main event. But, my God, I mean, I freaking love this match. And coming back and watching it again, I really felt like each man got some good shine. It wasn't all just Austin. It wasn't all just Brett. They, They gave and took. Yeah, definitely, and it was a um, good prequel to uh, Bret Hart's final run in the company. Yeah. Was this also the time where Bret Hart showed up in a wheelchair, and... Oh, no, that was, that was, that was Shawn Michaels kicking him. 
But I remember like the promo was just, oh, if you want to know what I think about the Hitman, put an S in front of Hitman. And that's my feeling right there. Yeah, yeah. That was um, this. Okay. Wasn't this, wasn't this well, after they, the Canada versus U.S. stuff? No. Um, so okay. Austin and Brett had another match at Survivor Series this past Survivor Series, Survivor Series 96. Mm-hmm. And then they had the rematch here at WrestleMania. Ah, um, okay. So I'm not getting my timelines mixed up. And then during the summer um, of 97 is when they had the New Heart Foundation. And a lot of the time that the new heart foundation was around brett was in a wheelchair that's okay so i'm just yeah. getting my timelines mixed up okay well i also like the fact so um getting back into the match after the match they let this breathe and they hammered home the point um everyone begs that doctors need to come down to the ring to help austin uh, after a bit, Bret Hart continues to attack Stone Cold and once again tries to put the sharpshooter on Austin, but Ken Shamrock hits a German suplex on Bret Hart, and Hart finally gets out of the ring. Bret Hart is then showered in booze. Austin gets back to his feet and gives a stunner to Mike Chioda, and then refuses to help and walks out on his own. The crowd begins chanting Austin, and slowly and he slowly walks towards the back. After the match, they show the they show the ring where Austin's blood was, and they put over Austin saying that he gave up, and that um, they just continue to put the match over big. Like I think when they get that narrative of oh, Bret Hart was the bad guy, you know, good guy coming in and it changed. I think it was because of after the match with him attacking Austin after the fact. Yeah, that that was I the mean- nail, but. I just love the fact that they just sat here for a couple, three extra minutes. And it was like, oh, my God, that match was amazing. Oh, you know, oh, my God, Austin. Oh, 18,000 people chanted Austin's name. That's amazing. Like, you don't see that anymore. No, nobody's special anymore. They don't give anybody time to, to do that. Like, they, they hammered it home. Like, look, you just saw a great match. And now we're going to add the cherries on top here. And I thought I did a really job Ken Shamrock, you know. It was a simple little suplex, but he looked really good. And look what he did with the ease, too. He probably did. <laughs> he did. All right. Any more about this match or you want to move on? Let's move on. All right. Next, we have Todd Pentengale. He's with the Nation of Domination. Farouk said that Ahmed Johnson and the Road Warriors were going to get what's coming to them. Put it easily. He said more, but that's what all I got. We have a Chicago street fight. The Nation of Domination versus Ahmed Johnson and the Road Warriors. So Wolfie D comes out rapping the Nation's theme song as they walk down to the ring. Ahmed is wearing spikes as well, along with LD. So, I have a lot written here. I'm just going to say... This was a complete garbage match with weapons. They brought out a kitchen sink, which the announcers were all too happy to sing pro about. Basically, this match went about 10 minutes too long. 
basically, it was supposed to be a six on six match, a six, you know, three three person team match. Uh, but the rest of the nation got got in quite a bit, a lot of plunder, chair shot, or, uh, you know, just signed shots, trash can shots. I think they had a real fire extinguisher because every time they blew it, the freaking arena would be like this cloud of smoke that would take a while to dissipate. And people were coughing. Uh, yeah, Vince was like coughing legitimately. Uh, and so were fans. Um, basically, it was plunder, 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 big spot, big spot, more plunder, six on one, six on one advantage from other nation members. Clarence Mason was out there. Um, basically, it was good, but then there got to a point where, like, it slowed down, like, people weren't doing big chair shots and stuff, and, like, I think people were just getting tired, and like to me, it felt like the crowd turned on the match, and it got really boring. Like they were doing good for the first part, and then all of a sudden, in the match, it was like, "Well, we did our big spots, and now people are just kind of around the ringside catching their breath." And that's when I felt like the match just kind of fell off a cliff, and it just kind of started going like, "Okay, wrap wrap it up. It's it's getting kind of long here." Um. Basically, uh, near the end, there's a bunch of 2x4 shots, and um, basically everyone keeps attacking each other. Uh, Finally, Ahmed hits a Pearl River plunge, and then they pick up another person, I couldn't tell who it was, and they hit a double doomsday device. I I think it was on, I know because they said Farouk had left, or ran away or something. Um, basically the LOD are, and Ahmed Johnson are declared the winners because they get the quick pin, but then they keep fighting after the match. Um, sorry to not go over my notes, but it was just craziness. It was hard to take notes for this match because it was just, hey, let's look at this, uh, look at two people. Okay, they hit each other or something. Move to the next person, move to the next person, move to the next person. Spot, 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 spot. I felt this match was in a very, very poor placement. After what we just saw with uh, Bret Hart and Austin, you know, with all their weapons and all that, I felt like this really watered down the hardcore. And I really started thinking, like, man, are they just doing this match because of ECW? You know, ECW was starting to get well-known around this time. And I was just like, are they just doing this because, you know, ECW did it? And they're trying to be cool. I mean, potentially. I'm not sure. I didn't. I didn't like this match at all. I I liked the beginning when it was a kind of all out bedlam, but like I said, like it got to a point where it was just it fell off a cliff, and then it was like, just come on, be done. I, they, I think I think I probably would have liked it if I had seen it in another context, but I had just seen the Austin match. Yeah, and I think this would have been like good for an opener, or maybe the second match I, in the card. Yeah, I wouldn't open with a match like this because you no. run the possibility of burning everybody ah, that's out. That's true. That's true. I don't know. I think you need to like, yeah, maybe somewhere in the middle of the card, maybe third match in. Yeah, I'm. Overall, I didn't really care for the match. Too much plunder, not enough actual wrestling, and too much inter- too much outside interference by the other members of the nation. 
Yeah. It just felt like and it also, was just one giant also, take image. Sorry, go ahead. No, and I was just going to say, it's also it's not even the good version of the Nation of Domination. No, this was like B-Team Nation of Domination. Well, no, I mean, it, it's like there's Farouk, and there's Crush, and there's Savio Vega, and then they all, and then later they all formed their own factions anyway. Yeah. Yeah, they had Clarence Mason, they had Woofy D, and one other person. Yeah, not a good match. Either way, Ahmed Johnson, the, the baby faces win. whoop de doo Todd Bengals with the WWE Champion, Psycho Sid. Sid cuts a screaming and then a whisper promo. My wife actually thought the TV was broken because, you know, he was whispering. <laughs> um, he says that he's not scared of The Undertaker. WWE Championship match. The Undertaker versus Champion Psycho Sid. HBK uh, comes down prior to this, and he's mobbed by fans. He poses in the ring. Apparently, he's going to be on commentary. I he hate gets him. A lot of fire. He gets a lot of fireworks for somebody who's just going to be on commentary. He does. I hated Shawn Michaels on commentary. I thought he was fine. I mean, perfect. To be honest, like he was not like he was talking about how he respected the Undertaker, and he was talking about. Those sorts of things. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I just thought was. early on he was too too long-winded. I mean, yeah, but I mean, for the most part, he wasn't like, um, he wasn't like super generic. And That's he, true. And he talked when he needed to talk. Like, Yeah, he was, no, I agree. He was, pretty, he, was, he was good. He was good for what he was trying to do. I agree. I agree. So, uh, HK is a commentary. King says that Michaels is down there to mess with Psycho Sid. JR says that this will not be a technical masterpiece. It'll be a slobber knocker. Sid gets into it with people in the aisle, in the front row. Sid fireworks go off. The bell rings and both men stare each other down. And Bret Hart walks down to the ring and then proceeds to get into the ring. Uh, he grabs a microphone. Oh, look, oh, look at coming. this. Oh, yeah. Bret Hart. Staring Bret Hart. Hart. Aaron. What? Bret Hart's coming out here. What do you mean Bret Hart's coming out I here? I see him right there. Holy mackerel. Uh-oh. Oh, imagine that. Bret being resentful of not being in the main event or being the man. I find that very hard to believe. Wait a minute. What is this? I might beat you up. I got news where he did his best against Steve Austin, and he couldn't quite get it done. What's this? John, Yo. first of all, you phony little faker, why don't you all right, take all right, your little pussyfoot injury? No, no, no. It's all right. No, no. I'm not going anywhere. And go no. back and find no. your smile, but whatever you do, stay out of this match. I'm so scared. But as for you, I just want you to know, when you slam that door on my head, you slam the door on our friendship, and from here on in, it's a new set of rules Your between you and me. Oh my, I can't remember the last time Brett was anybody's friend. And you, <laughs> you know, and I know, and every single person in this building knows that he's a crybaby. one thing, that that World Wrestling Federation Championship belt belongs to me, and you are a fraud. Well, it looks like Brett. That belt never belonged to you, and you know it, and I know it, and every single person in this building, whether you're here or outside in TV land, you all know that I am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Hey! 
And now you're getting beat up because you're big mouth. Hell no! Submission match. See? That's gonna put him in a bad way. <laughs> you take your white ass out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Bret Hart, who was technically yeah. a winner oh, yeah. in the submission match, you may say technically because Steve Austin never said. He said he will. You never hear the words "I quit," and we never ever hey, did. Hum along, try baby. <laughs> And this match is officially underway. Wait, I didn't write down what he did? Oh, there we go. Uh, so, yeah, okay, here we go. So he gets into the ring. Both Undertaker and Michael said, just go to a corner. Bret Hart says that Michaels is a faker and that he needs to stay out of the match. Uh, he then says that Undertaker slammed the door on his head. Uh, so then he has slammed the door on his friendship. And... Uh, he said that Psycho, Saker, Psycho Sid is a fraud of a champion and that he knows and everybody else knows that he should be the champion and that he is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Sid then gets, Sid then gets angry and power bombs Bret Hart for his trouble and Michael's no sells whatever he said. I, this was weird. It was weird. Like, I don't know, understand why they had Bret Hart. Like, this doesn't... Like you said, Vince Russo booking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why would you come down in the, in, the, in the beginning of a match just to yell at people? You're not even in the match. Yeah, no, it's a shoot, brother. Uh, apparently. Oh, Bret Hart there. Man. All right, so he gets power bombed out of the ring, and yeah, so finally the match can start. Psycho said, "Oh no!" Then on top of it, Psycho said, "Grabs a mic, so he's gonna kick Undertaker's ass, and then he's gonna kick Bret Hart's ass." So Undertaker gets pissed and attacks <laughs> Sid from behind. Uh, he throws Sid into a corner, and he tees off with lefts and rights. Undertaker with a uh, early pin attempt after a scoop slam. He only gets a two. He walks the ropes and hits old school. Taker then goes for a uh, splash, but Sid catches the Undertaker in midair and then puts him into a bear hug. After a while, the hold is broken, and then he comes back with liver punches and then do another bear hug on the Undertaker. Again, back to kidney punches and another bear hug on the Undertaker. That's three now. Sid follows up with a clothesline to the outside, but Taker lands on his feet, and then Taker is pushed... Uh, over the French announce table, I did not look like they knew it was coming. Um, so he's pushed over the French announce table, his head is slammed into the guardrail, and then he's sent through the table itself. But instead of breaking, the table just falls over. It was a Japanese-style table. It was very strong. Yes, it was very extremely strong. (laughs) (laughs) Sid goes for the cover, but only gets a two in the middle of the ring. Sid applies a camel clutch. Sid then hits a double sledge off the second rope. A power slam by Sid on Taker for several pin attempts to the point where Sid yells, God damn it! <laughs> Sid is angry. 
Uh, a big leg drop, I said, for another two on Taker. Vince gives us an update on Steve Austin. He said his knee is in a bad way, and he's refusing all medical treatment. Taker then hits a flying clothesline and takes it down, but Seth actually gets up first and kicks Taker to keep him down. A drop to hold by Taker and uh, it sends Sid to the outside. He then runs Sid into the guardrail, and then they fall into the crowd. They like doing this a lot. This area next to the timekeeper in the corner, they would fall into that thing, and this poor like security guard was like a freaking NBA player, like trying to guard, like keeping people back. Um, they exchange punches, and eventually Sid is thrown back into the ring after being rammed into the stairs. Sid puts a sleeper hold on the Undertaker, and it's eventually broken, and then a power slam by Taker uh, onto Sid. Taker then goes for the cover and only gets a two. Under then t- puts on a long trapezius uh, hold, uh, and then a clothesline for a two by Taker. Both men then hit double big boots. Both men are down, and Earl Hebner starts to count. Uh, he gets to nine, and they both make it to their feet. Sid climbs to the top rope. He hits another double sledge. It's really weird because Sid starts getting very mobile, getting very acrobatic here. Uh, he then gets up to the second rope again, waits for Taker to stand up, hits a flying clothesline on Taker, and then he slowly goes for the cover and gets a two count. For a third time, he climbs the second rope and drives for another sledge, but Taker hits a punch to the gut, and it uh, doesn't matter because <laughs> Sid still is slamming him down. Uh, he then Sid goes to the top rope again, and then uh, he takes too long, and Undertaker gets up and punches him, and then he's up in the sitting position on the third rope, uh, and then he grabs... Uh, Inside and slams him off the top rope. Taker then climbs the top rope himself, hitting a flying clothesline. He turns over and pins Sid for a two. Undertaker then does a throat slash. He picks up Sid for a tombstone, but Sid reverses it into a tombstone of his own. The tomb, lo- the tombstone that Sid hit, looks very scary. And Undertaker then is thrown outside. I swear to God, like I thought, Sid's. Like, Tombstone, like, broke Taker's neck. Yeah, because he basically... Undertaker basically just flopped. He did. Like... (laughs) Sid just drops to his knees, and, like, Taker just, like, spikes straight up. And it's like, oh, I don't think he was high enough. Obviously he was, but it just happened so quick. It's like, oh, my God, did they actually get into the right position? Also, I like how Sid tombstoned him in the wrong basic the wrong way so we couldn't actually be the uh pin attempt that he tried to do yeah no he'd be pinned he hits a tombstone and the reverse of the hard camera so bret hart (sighs) so fucking dumb i was so pissed about this and my wife was pissed bret hart comes running down and hits Sid in the back with a chair twice in front of earl hebner and there is no dq nope there's no count outs no dqs since when? Since the beginning of the match. They didn't say that. That They did. They, they mentioned did? it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was pissed. My wife was like, why is he used to cheat? Uh, okay, that makes sense. I totally missed that then. So, uh, Taker slams Sid into the steel post, 
and then they rolled back into the ring. He hits a choke slam on uh, Sid for a near fall, a 2.99 pinfall to be exact. Taker then tries for a flying clothesline, but Sid ducks out of the way, uh, and then sets up for the power bomb. But Bret Hart once again runs down and hits Sid and catches him on the top rope. He turns around, gets tombstone by Undertaker. Your new WWF champion, The Undertaker. The arena goes dark with lightning and thunder effects, and Undertaker celebrates. Fuck you, Bret Hart. <laughs> well, that's what they wanted you to think. I'm so glad you got you screwed in four months. <laughs> I guess they, they did their job. I want to say, though, that this is actually Seven really months. good for The Undertaker because um, he finally won a championship at WrestleMania. And yeah, definitely. He got to hold it for a little while. I was actually looking up the title history of the WWE championship mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. and The Undertaker has held held that belt four times. Yes. And, of, and he's total days is he's only held it for 238 days wow total the only person who has held the belts the same number of times but for less is the current wwe champion daniel bryan really yeah wow well there you go uh i'm pretty sure daniel bryan will easily surpass that um i could really oh yeah my wife was like, oh my god, Undertaker's so young. And we looked up how old he was. He was only 30. Yeah, I mean, he was in good shape too. Yes, he was. Um, The match was okay. It was your typical Sid match. And again, they had to slow down, obviously, to catch your breath. But, like, what in the fuck does Undertaker do trapezius holds? Oh, well, uh, I think he did it because Yokozuna was there. This- <laughs> that move is now allowed. Oh, man. Um, overall, I the match was good, but I thought Bret Hart interfering kind of tainted The Undertaker. Like, oh, he could get it done without help. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Because, you know, and Undertaker really doesn't need that. But it's interesting that the first two times that Undertaker has won the WWE Championship is uh, he's had help outside interference. Oh. I didn't know that. That sucks. Well, the, yeah, well, the first time uh, he won it from Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And Ric Flair put a chair under his knees as he was tombstoning Hogan. <laughs> And then this time, Bret Hart interfered. So, you know. Well, there you go. Um, cool. Well, that is the end of WrestleMania 13. Yay. What was your match tonight? Oh, Bret Hart versus Steve Austin. There's no question. I agree. I agree with you 100%. Uh, worst match of the night. LOD. Again, I agree. All right, well, let's look at what Dave Meltzer had to say. All right, the tag team match got negative half a star. I don't blame him. After that stupid fuck double count out. Rock me of, uh, rock, bleh. The Rock versus Salton. One and quarter 
stars. Okay. I mean, that I makes should. sense. Yeah. Uh, Hunter's Company versus Gold Dust. Two and a quarter. Okay. Owen Hart versus British Bulldog versus Vader Mankind. Two and a half. Nice. Bret Hart versus Steve Austin. What do you guess? Four and a half. Five star, baby. Oh, nice. First five star match. Uh, Fruit versus Savio Vega. Blah, 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 blah. Those guys. What do you think? I, I'm sorry, you cut out there. Uh, LD and Ahmed Johnson versus uh, Nation. Mm-hmm. Three and a half stars. Blah. What the hell? Maybe he was just, Maybe he was just reliving hyped that up. high from the Austin match. Could have been. Psycho City versus Undertaker? Quarter star. Quarter star? Or was this one and one-fourth? Oh, one and one-fourth. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I liked it more so than Rocky Maivia and the Sultan and the Undertaker versus Psycho Sid. Book of the same score. Oh, uh. so, yeah. <sighs> WrestleMania 13 in the books. I am so happy to be done that. I was so looking forward to reviewing that Austin match. I didn't realize it was a five-star classic. I mean, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I didn't either. But yeah, really, really fun show. I thought overall, I mean, like, they didn't have barely any backstage stuff. They didn't have, again, they didn't have celebrities. So, I mean, like, they're really focusing now on the wrestling and do you think that's because of WCW? I mean, like, do you think they're trying to, like, hey, we, let's not do all these celebrities and stuff. Let's really no, focus. I think it's because they, well, they have no money. didn't have any money. Yeah, I could definitely see that. 95, 96 were extremely lean years. Uh, 97, you know, they were still getting beat up in the ratings and, you know, obviously we're still trying to rebuild. You could definitely see, you could definitely see, Stars in the in the rise, though. Definitely, I agree. I mean, you could see they're putting the rocket on Austin. You could see they're putting the rocket on Rock. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. They still have a mix of, you know, Phineas Godwin, and there was Iron Sheik and stuff still there. It's still interesting. That they're still going back to those old characters, but you could definitely see the new change. I mean, like. Yeah, definitely interesting. Overall, what would you give the show? I'd give it a six. A six. <sighs> Man. I almost want to say I agree, because this card, unfortunately, was really a one-match show. Yeah. I, I like the Salt and Rock match. The main event was eh, not great, but not bad. It wasn't horrible. You know, but we didn't have anything crazy like the backlot brawl from WrestleMania 12. I'd probably say seven. Just because the Austin match, Austin Hart match, was just so damn good. But yeah, you could definitely skip the rest of the card. Nothing of... Nothing really comes out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I really feel like... 
there wasn't a lot that came out of, like out of this car that you're like, oh my god. Other than you know Austin and Hart elevating. Yeah, I mean, but that's actually to be expected because it, there can only be one show stealing match. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so how long does Taker and whatnot hold on to the title? Who does, it, who does it lose it to? So he holds on to the belt for about 140 days during this time, and then he loses it to Bret Hart. Really? Yep. And then we roll into Survivor Series? Yep. Ah. Well, there you go. All right. Well, that is it then. That is WrestleMania 13. We're done. We now move on to... Would you consider WrestleMania 14 a very pivotal WrestleMania? Maybe the most important WrestleMania? I would say that it is a important WrestleMania. I would not say it's the most important. Really? Really. Wow. For me, this is right around I became a fan in the summer of 90... I started watching when Mankind was getting beat up by the Outlaws and they were chanting Austin's name. And he cut that awesome promo where he said, you know, I was here getting beat up and you fans cheered Stone Cold Steve Austin and you didn't help me. Mankind's going away for a while. That was the first time I watched that I remember wrestling. So I, this is the time period. What's funny about WrestleMania 14, I remember them getting national news coverage because of Mike Tyson. After the event. I mean, they're definitely going to get national news coverage because of Mike Tyson. It's just, um, this is, I I would say that WrestleMania 14, the one coming up is the one that really catapults the Attitude Era into um, existence. But I would say that probably WrestleMania 17 is the most important show. Ah, okay, I was curious about that because I was like, hmm. Because I can't think of any other WrestleManias that are so cataclysmically changing. Like, essentially, I look at, like, the WWF was down and out in 95, 96, 97, they're rebuilding. And then WrestleMania 14, it's just like everything came together as far as the main event went. And it was like they were reborn. It's like, oh, my God. We now have our new champion. We now have this new path we're following. And I feel like WrestleMania was the the yellow brick road, as it were. I mean, they become the most successful they've ever been in the next couple of years. And I really feel like that is because of WrestleMania 14. And just all the good stuff that, you know, Mike Tyson getting over. And, you know, uh, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe my mind will be changed after I rewatch WrestleMania 14, but it just, um, WrestleMania 17 for me is the, um, it, it's the best show in terms of. No, no, um, I agree. I look at WrestleMania 17 as the last truly great WrestleMania. Now, don't get me wrong, we're going to review some great WrestleManias, but I feel like this was like the last. Hurrah of the Attitude Era. WCW had just been purchased. And 
I don't disagree with you. It's a great WrestleMania. I can't wait to review it. Um, but in my opinion, WrestleMania 14 is more important than 17. 17 is the the cherry on top of all the hard work from the previous years. But you've got to start somewhere. And I think yeah. 14 was the catalyst that put the fuel in the rocket ship. So All the way to Parts Unknown, yes. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, man. All right. Well, what do you think about WrestleMania 13? I'd love, we'd love to hear your opinions. Uh, ReviewManiaPodcast at gmail.com or leave feedback at CosmicPotato.com. Anything else before you head off? I don't think so. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be on the lookout for more Review Mania here soon. And listen to our past. If you're a first-time listener, check out our past episodes on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.